Hi everyone, I'm Amber Rose, the Religious Hippie, and welcome to A Catholic's Perspective. For those of you just finding this podcast, let me tell you a little about myself. I was born and raised a cradle Catholic until I fell away from the church for eight years. I just recently came back to the church and I could not be happier with where I am today. I am currently a junior in college and I'm studying graphic design. I am an ambassador for multiple amazing Catholic Christian companies and I love working with all of them. Now, some of you may already know me from my popular religious hippie social media channels, such as TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have all kinds of Catholic content on there, so don't forget to go check those out. So the reason I wanted to start a podcast was so that I'd be able to have a longer format which people could listen to from wherever they are. I particularly wanted to address issues that young Catholics face today in the secular world, and I want to do that by providing information along with commentary and even a little of my own opinion. I can't lie, from time to time I might be discussing very controversial issues, and some will find my opinions unappealing. But I do this out of my faith and service to God. We must keep communicating with each other, respecting each other, and put each other on the path to sainthood. I think you'll enjoy the podcasts coming up, and I thank you for being here with me. Hey everybody, welcome back to my podcast. Today we're going to be discussing a very cool conversion story. I have my friend Keith Nestor with me here. He's the executive director of Down to Earth Ministries. He's the author of the book Convert's Guide to Roman Catholicism, Your First Year in the Church. And for 22 years, Keith was in a bunch of different Protestant uh, positions. So welcome, Keith. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Amber. It's good to be here with you. Yeah, of course. So I guess we're just going to kind of jump right in here. What kickstarted your conversion? Well, so I grew up uh, in the home of a pastor. My dad's a pastor. So I always kind of knew Jesus and had my own experience with Christ at a church camp when I was like 12 years old and fell in love with really the Bible when I was probably around 19, 18, 19, and went into ministry and started really learning and growing in the faith and just trying to serve God in the best way that I could. So I I started in this little youth group and I was the kind of person that loved the Bible. I loved learning about the faith. I loved, you know, I'm pretty conservative in my, in my biblical views. So for me, like Catholicism was nowhere on the radar because the only thing I knew about the Catholic church was from things I had read from anti-Catholic apologists, basically, or, or, sources like that. I didn't know any Catholics. The only person I knew that was kind of Catholic was um, this girl that I met when I moved out to Philadelphia for a little while, who actually ended up getting married to her. When I met her, she was Catholic. She was raised. I I asked her, I wanted to to take her on a date. So I said, Hey, do you go to church somewhere? Because I didn't want to date a non-Christian. And she goes, well, I'm Catholic, but I don't really go to church. And I thought, well, okay, most Catholics don't, so come to church with me. So I took her to this church I was going to, and, we, and she loved it, and it was great. And she said, what about this whole Catholic thing? I said, ah, forget about that. That's, you know, man-made traditions. It's just a religion, and you need a relationship with Jesus. It's not biblical. All, all of this stuff, you know. And so she said, Protestant. yeah, but- exactly. And she was like, okay, I don't care. You know, I mean, I, she went to Catholic school for 12 years, but you know, they didn't go to church. That was, there's a lot of people that are just Catholic because that's their heritage and that's their culture. 
but it has nothing to do with the personal faith or a belief. And that was, that was her. So we, we uh, became involved in ministry, uh, moved back to Iowa and this little youth group I had, had grown from like 12 kids to a couple hundred kids. It was growing and I needed a logo for this youth ministry. So I found this guy who was a graphic designer. And when I went to meet with him, we'd had a couple of conversations on the phone about my, my youth ministry. And he seemed really interested in that. And I, I just li- instinctively liked him. And when I went over to his house to meet with him, I walk into his house and it looked like, it looked like, you know, the Vatican had a, a yard sale and he bought everything. I mean, it, it was icons and statues and, and there was like a baptismal thing in there with holy water, all the, and I, I was wow. like, what is all this? So I, we're, we're, I just kind of was put off by that, but I didn't say anything. We sit down, we're looking at the, the designs. He was awesome at what he did. So we're talking about faith and, and he's talking like about his faith in Jesus and about all of this. And I just couldn't connect it. So I remember saying to him, I said, Hey, you sound like you love Jesus, but what's with all this Catholic stuff? Like, I don't get it. And he just laughed and he's like, well, I am Catholic and I love Jesus. And so then I started asking him, you know, the hardcore questions. Oh, well, are you saved? Mm. Why? If you die tonight, do you know you're going to go to heaven? All, all the stuff. Right. And, and he was like, had answers. And I was blown away by that. And I just was like, I'd never met a guy who was Catholic, who had this relationship with God before and could explain things about the faith to me. And, and it really blew me away, but I, I was still trying to feel like I can make this guy a Protestant. I mean, all I have to do, show him a couple Bible verses, challenge a couple of his beliefs. He obviously doesn't know that much about the Bible. If he can, if he's Catholic for crying out loud. So this will be easy pickings for me, but it sure wasn't. And by the end of that conversation, I was like, man, I bit off more than I can chew here. But I was fascinated by what he was saying. And, and I remember he, he's, he, before I left his house, he said, here, oh, before you go, I want to give you something. He goes, this guy was, was like you, only worse. And he became a Catholic. And he, handed, and he hands me the VHS copy of the, which is way before your time, Amber, <laughs> uh, of, of the Scott Hahn conversion story. And I'm like, what is this? I'd never heard of a convert to the Catholic faith. Like who would do that? Only somebody who didn't know anything. Right. Well, then I started, I watched Scott Hans conversion story. I'm like, this guy knows a lot. He knows way more than I do about everything that I think I know everything about. <laughs> and, and he knows it all. And yet he's a Catholic. What in the world? It, that just blew me away. So it was through that, that my friend, his name's Devin, we would have these conversations and basically the conversations turned into arguments because I was still trying to convince him that I was right, that he should leave the Catholic church. And he was trying to convince me that he was right, that I should become Catholic. Now we're both guys in our early twenties at this time, full of pride, (laughs) arrogance, and a belief that we know the truth, which that's a bad combination. And we would just battle it out. We would go, we would just war and argue. And I remember there were a couple of times where we would like go to lunch and then be on the street corner in each other's faces, yelling. People probably thought we were going to fight until they could hear our conversations. Like, no, Mary wasn't a virgin. Yes, she was. No, she wasn't. Ah, I mean, it, it was it was ridiculous. And, but that's what we did for years. And at one point in time, I remember he asked me to meet this guy who was from his church. And I thought, okay, what's this all about? We go to lunch and this guy, his name's Greg. He sits me down. He says, Keith, my daughter goes to your youth group. And I thought, oh man, I'm in trouble. (laughs) This Catholic guy 
whose Catholic daughter comes to my Protestant youth group and, and I'm in, he's here, he brought me here to yell at me. And he goes, I just want to thank you for what you've done for her. She's alive in her faith. Like she's never been before. And I want to thank you for your ministry. And I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> and he says, and I'd like to invite you on an all expenses tri- uh, paid trip to Europe to come with me and, and Devin's coming too, and some other folks, we're going to go to, we're going to go to Rome and we're going to go to a place called Mejigori. And I don't know anything about that, but I just heard Rome free. <laughs> What's the catch? You know? Right. So I went on this trip with all these Catholics and, you know, I, I didn't know anything about the Virgin Mary. I didn't know anything about Mary and apparitions or whatever, all that stuff. I just went to, to this place. And, but this was the, tell you what, this was like the first time in my life I'd ever been around Catholics who were worshiping Jesus through Mary and their Marian devotion. And that made an impression on me. I wasn't ready to become Catholic when I got home from that trip, but I I had a greater sense of where I had maybe had some misconceptions, you know, everything I'd seen and people are pretty intense over there when it comes to Marian devotion, but I never saw anybody worship Mary what I did see was Catholics who loved to pray and acted like going to church was like, they just won a million dollars. We get to go to mass. We get to go to, I'm like, didn't we already do that yesterday? Why are we going? <laughs> like, I'm like, I go to church once a week and I work there, you know? And, and, and they're like, Oh, we get, we have mass every day. And then we're going to have this thing called adoration. And I'm like, like, are we literally gonna, like, when do we get to go do the fun stuff? <laughs> but for them, that was the fun stuff. And, right. and that, that blew me away. Amber. I was like, wow, these Catholics, first of all, they, they know how to pray, but they also, they, they know how to party too, you know, which, and I don't mean anything bad by that. I just mean, they had so much fun together in their faith. And it was just like this thing that I was, I really like was jealous. I'm like, I wish I could do that. I wish I had a faith like that. So we went home and, and we continued in our our, our relationship, our arguing. And, and there was a point in time, there was one point where I, when I really felt like called to become Catholic. And I remember calling my buddy Devin and saying that to him. And I'm like, I just feel like the Lord's called me to become Catholic. And I thought he was going to be like, oh, I told you so, blah, blah, blah. But he was very cool about it. But then when I started to think about what that would mean for my life practically, I'm in ministry. That's my job. I have three kids now. I'm married. Obviously, I have all this stuff going on. I got this exploding youth group that was at one point in time, like the biggest in the state of Iowa and I'm, and everything's going awesome. Why would you screw that up? God, why would, you know, God, you, you can't possibly want me to become Catholic because that would mean I would have to do X, Y, Z. And then what am I going to do? And I just, I was afraid really ultimately. So I was just like, Nope, not doing it. And I turned my back on it, you know, and a lot of, a lot of bad things happened in my life. Later on, you know, I ended up stepping out of ministry for a couple of years in a church setting anyway. And I had to really learn some hard lessons because one of the things that had happened to me was I had become so wrapped up in my identity as, well, I'm God's man because I can do this stuff for God. And when you, when you have your identity in Christ based on who you are and what you're doing, that's a bad idea. But that happens a lot to guys in ministry, especially if they're, if they experience some level of, of success at it. Mm. you know, it's like, Oh, look at me. I'm something special here. And that that's the disaster waiting to happen. And, you know, in my life, there were some disasters, but a few years, a few years ago, I would say I, I wound up coming to a, a church 
in the city I live in now, which is Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And in the denomination that I, that I was working in, which was the United Methodist denomination, I started to see we had these issues with our denomination where it was beginning to splinter apart over a lot of issues that to me were basic, black and white, never been dealt with in the Bible. I mean, like it was like, duh, you know, and specifically around the areas of, of marriage and human sexuality, things like that, which is the, the thing that our culture struggles with so much today. And a lot of churches have been ripped apart by, by conflict surrounding those issues. And our, and our denomination was certainly going through that. And as I found myself trying to put together a, a case for why our denomination should do what I thought was the right thing to do, I had to appeal to scripture. And I thought that was a slam dunk. Well, what I was running into was a lot of the people who were on the more liberal side of things, they were appealing to scripture too. And they were, they were, well, the Bible says there is no male or female, you know, and Jesus says, love, love everybody. I mean, all, all the stuff that everyone says to try to justify what they want to do. So I would, you know, put my position forth. Oh, well, that's just your interpretation of the Bible, Keith. Why should we listen to what you say? It's such a Protestant thing to say. Well, it's, it's a good thing to say though. It, is. it really is. That's the, and, and it was that question ultimately that caused me to kind of turn back and re- pull down some of those Catholic things off the shelf that I'd put up there years ago out of fear. You know, imagine that you have this box of all your Catholic stuff and you put it away because it, it freaks you out. You know, I, I, maybe you can relate to that in a certain way where you have your faith and then you go, oh, I want to go do this in the world, but I can't have both. So I put my Catholic faith away for a while. I took that box down. I started going through it again because I needed to have an answer to some of these things. And, and I learned that just having the Bible alone wasn't enough. Well, even that, but so then we would talk about that statement, basically them saying like, well, that's your interpretation that that's exactly why we need the church, the magisterium to uh, interpret things for us because that's infallible you know, whereas we are fallible. And so we make mistakes in interpretations so that it benefits us. Well, you, you said it right there, but when you, but nobody thinks that they're wrong. Mm-hmm. No, nobody thinks that their version of what the Bible says or what the faith teaches is wrong. Everyone thinks they have it right. And everybody else has it wrong. Or what they think is this, and this is a really popular thing to think. Well, we all have some things we need to agree on, but there's a whole bunch of things that we can have differing views on and still maintain unity in the faith. Now, I agree with that statement, but here's the thing. Like, what are those things and who gets to decide what they are? If, if we, the things that are important to us are usually not the things that we say are, are um, in the gray areas. The things that are super important to us are usually the things that we say, no, everybody has to agree on this. Mm-hmm. But that's our own choice. So in these conversations I was having, I was like, okay, I have to appeal to something higher than just my own interpretation of scripture. So then I started appealing to sacred tradition and, you know, using things like, well, this is what the church is taught. But in the Protestant world, there's a different understanding of the church, Amber. It's, it's not like when you and I talk about the church, we mean the Catholic church. In, in the Protestant world, oftentimes when you say, well, the church does this or does that, that's a little squishier because the church doesn't have the same um, identity in, in, in a lot of Protestantism, the church simply refers to anybody who they decide believes in Jesus. 
It's an invisible church. There's no visible head here on earth. And you can't really identify it and say, well, that's the church. That's not. It's just a question of, do you belong to the people of God? And ultimately, it's really up to yourself to figure out whether you do or not. And because people will argue, well, is a Mormon a part of the church? They believe in Jesus, right? Mm. Well, they would say, no, they're not because they don't believe in the, the Trinity. Trinity. They don't believe in X, Y, Z or whatever. So, but why not? Right. See, ultimately, you wind up with with a human institution or human beings make these decisions. Well, a lot of these a lot of these conversations I was having ultimately led me to realize that my struggles in the Methodist church that I was having would not be solved by just going to a different denomination. A lot of people said that, oh, well, you just need to become a, a Baptist or you need to become a Presbyterian or you need to become a, you know, a this or a that. And I'm like, well, they're going to have the same problem because they still deal with the fact that they're just leaning on their own interpretation and their own ideas about what the scripture teaches and what the faith is. We need to figure out, is there something bigger than that going on? And I remember I had one person who said to me, well, if you believe in all that church authority stuff, why aren't you Catholic? Mm-hmm. And that really just hit me. It was like, oh, did you really have to say that? Because <laughs> I thought I'd put it out of my mind. You know, I'm like, I'm not doing that. And, but it really caused me to start thinking about it again. And I remember I, I, I started to dust off some of those old apologetics materials that my buddy had given me years earlier. I started to re-engage in that thought process. And the more I did that, the more it made sense. Now, a lot of stuff that happened in my life, I, I was a lot less arrogant, a lot less cocky about where I was, which was interesting. Um, but that, that can happen to you as you get older sometimes and, and go through it, some things. And I began to, to really question, ask hard questions about the faith. How do we know what the Christian faith is? Has that been revealed to us and how? And a lot of these answers are leading me back in time to the church fathers, to the history of the Catholic faith, to the authority of that. So that really kind of opened my, my mindset back up to this conversation. And then, you know, a few other things happened along the way that led me to a moment in time where I just knew that God was calling me to let everything go and join the Catholic church. It was hard. I was afraid. I was scared. I didn't know what I could do. I mean, by this time, my kids are older, obviously that are 15, 17, 19 at the time. uh, I was what, probably like in my early forties. So, you know, I didn't have any other marketable skills really. I mean, my wife and I had this photography business, but that was more her than me. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I remember telling my dad one day, I said, dad, I think I'm become, I think I'm being called to become Catholic. My dad's a pastor. He's like, Keith, you can't just become Catholic. There's gotta be a way. Mm-hmm. You can't just quit your job. What are you going to do? And I remember thinking to myself, yeah, but look at all the things that, that people have sacrificed for the faith over the years. It hasn't always made sense. It hasn't always been easy. It hasn't always been what was best for them in the worldly sense of things. Why, why am I doing that now? And I, I wound up at this mass one night and I was really just being torn apart by all this stuff. Cause I knew, I, I knew I couldn't stay where I was, but I was afraid to make that jump to Catholicism. But one by one, my like objections to the Catholic faith are starting to get knocked down because a lot of my pride I had let go of. So I was willing to go, yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can buy that. I can buy that. And I wound up going to this mass and I went up and got my blessing during the Eucharist and I just sidestepped and hit my knees and was praying. 
And I asked the Lord, I just looked up the crucifix. I said, Jesus, people are still receiving the Eucharist right in front of me. I said, Jesus, if you want me to become Catholic, I will do it. But you have to make a way. There's got to be a way. As my dad was saying to me, I felt that. And from the cross, the Lord spoke to me, Amber, and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Keith, you don't need me to make a way. You just need me. Wow. And while he's saying that to me in my heart, there are people receiving Jesus. And I recognize I'm like, I just, I need the Eucharist. I need Jesus. I don't need to understand it all. I don't need to have it all figured out. I just need to not be afraid and go. And I had this desire in my heart. Like I was like, I want to do this because before in my life, I was more afraid of what my obedience was going to cost. Okay. But there comes a point in your life when you're more afraid of what your disobedience is going to cost. And I didn't want to miss out on anything that God had for me. And I, I felt like if he's, if this is of God, he's calling me to do this. If I don't do it, then I'm, I'm missing out. So I felt that in my heart so strongly. And I was like, I just got to do this. I went home that night and I told my wife, I said, Hey, I have to do this. I have to, I mean, she had been in on a lot of the conversations I was having. She kind of knew where I was at with it. Of course, she herself wasn't there. She did not want to become Catholic. She's like, you told me all those years ago that the Catholic church was messed up and wrong. Why would we do that? Can't we do something else? Like what else is there? Is there a way you can do this without giving up our income and whatnot? But when I got home, I said, look, I have to do this. And I said, I don't expect you to do anything. I don't, I will, I will get a job doing whatever I have to do. I will provide, I will do the things that a man has to do to take care of his family, but I can't stay in this ministry anymore. I can't stay in this church anymore. I, ha I have to become Catholic. The Lord's calling me. I've got to do this. I don't know what it means, but I have to do it. And she said, Keith, I have no desire to become Catholic, but I believe that God's leading you. And if he's guiding you and I'm your wife, then, then that's what we're going to do. And, and I'm going to trust God in this, even though I don't want to do it. And the next day I went in, sat down with my senior pastor, said, that's it. I'm doing this. And I, I had kind of talked to him. We're friends. And I'd kind of talked to him about where I was at. He didn't think I was going to do it. He's like, are you crazy? We were building a $10 million building. Like our church was exploding. It was awesome. And I loved my church. I loved the people of the church. I loved what I was doing. It was great. It wasn't like I was miserable. I'm like, oh, I got to get out of it. I loved it which was part of that. So it was hard, but I went in and I, and I did that. My, my last Sunday there was literally the day we put shovels in the ground to break ground on the new building that we'd been designing and raising money for, for all these years. So I went from the, the newest church in town, literally to the oldest church in town, the Catholic church, the next week, which the church I go to literally is the first church that was ever built in our city. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's kind of, I mean, there's a lot of things I left out, but that's the, the nuts and bolts of it right there. Wow, that's incredible. And yeah, also that was in 2017. So 2017, October 8th, 2017, you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah I didn't awesome. go through RCIA. I didn't go into the Easter visual. I just, I met with my priest and then he was just like, okay. And I remember saying to him, how long do I need to keep doing this before I become Catholic? I mean, I'm kind of committed at this point in time. <laughs> and he goes, you're ready whenever. So um, yeah, I love that about the priests <laughs> and about doing the, uh, the, the one-on-one -on -one kind of quote unquote, RCIA kind of thing where the priest actually schools you and tests you himself. So it's individual so he can actually gauge. Um, I love, I love that version way more than maybe the group version, so to speak, because I feel like there's so much that gets left out. 
Um, but yeah, no, that's incredible. And God bless your wife for, for following you and, and everything. Is she Catholic now or is she still? Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. So remember she was raised Catholic. So it was kind of funny because I mean, we have, we have an awesome marriage, awesome relationship. We, we, even when things are tough, we, we can always joke with each other and stuff. And, and, um, a couple of things that were sort of important to this. So we got married outside the Catholic church. Okay. And she's Catholic. So one of the things that had to happen was we had to get our marriage um, done in the church. So that was interesting having to say, hey, by the way, we need to do this. And she was like, all right, wait a minute. Do I really have to marry you? You know, <laughs> and uh, I'm like, yeah, you kind of have to. But um, so we, we did that. But that was the th- But the other thing that happened was when she was deciding that she, OK, so what do I have to do, you know? I was going through all this stuff where I was meeting with the priest, doing all these things. I had to get my baptismal certificate, all this stuff. She just had to go to confession once. I love that. That's hilarious. And she would make fun. She'd go, yeah, you have to do all this stuff. She says, I'm just back in, you know, I'm, I'm, but for her, the truth is, and she's got her own story that she could tell. And, you know, she, she's done that. It was a really, really difficult process for her. She did not want to do it. And when, we came into the church, like our kids, we said, look, you guys can do what you want. We know this is hard for you. And it it was, and is, they came to mass with us a couple of times, you know, and they just didn't get it. And I mean, they are truly children of the generation of, you know, like I like to go to church because it's awesome. Mm -hmm. And there's a cool band. My daughter's a worship leader. You know, I mean, we have contemporary worship. I mean, like, like to them, church has always been exciting. And now we're going to mass. They and they weren't like theologically driven, like, oh, the Eucharist, oh, you know, the saint. They're just like, that song sucked. <laughs> that guy's boring. These people here are grumpy, you know. Right, this right. is late. Like they they were just, I mean, they were teenagers. So there's they weren't gonna go. And we taught and my priest, he said, You can't force your kids to do this. So that was really hard because I mean, we were a pastor's family for all these years, and now we're divided. My wife and I go to mass, my three kids go to our my old church. And she used to cry every single week at mass and she would be so angry, you know, and she would be like, why did this happen? Why, why did we do this? What is God doing here? I don't get it. I don't want to be here, but I know this is where I'm supposed to be as your wife, but like, this is hard. And she had a period of probably about, I don't know, almost a year, I would say where she really wrestled with it and eventually a pretty amazing thing happened to her. It's interesting. Like, like, and you have to hear her story. It's on my YouTube channel. Um, she struggled a lot with confession because she had a really, really bad experience when she was a little girl in the, in the confessional. She had a priest basically tell her, you don't deserve to be Catholic. You should be, you, you should be um, put back in public school. And you're not worthy of being Catholic. She was 10. Yeah. So when she heard that she just had to go to confession, she was like, oh, that's the one thing I dread. Well, a year after I came into the church, uh, the same friend who took me that I was telling you about before, whose daughter was in the youth group Mm -hmm. that took us to Rome, Medjugorje, he took, he said, we're going back. This time I was a Catholic. So we went back to Medjugorje and my wife went with us. And while we were there, 
she had one of those miraculous experiences that you hear about sometimes in confession where the priest can read your soul. And it was the last night we were there and that's what happened to her. Oh, wow. And it was, I don't, and I don't want to spoil it because you need to hear it from her, but she had an, an experience that was just like, bam, a light switch just went on and she was on fire, wow. you know? So now, I mean, she, she's pretty, she's pretty hardcore. I mean, she's, she's, she would be the first one to say, Oh, I'm not an expert on the church, but she loves being Catholic. I mean, it's been a truly, it's been a miracle. A lot of times guys talk to me, Oh, my wife doesn't want to do this. What do I do? You know, this, I just pray, just pray. I prayed for her all the time that God would reveal her to, to her, the beauty of the Catholic faith, not just because she's my wife and she has to do it, but that he would give that to her the way he gave it to me. And, and he has, and, and it's awesome. That's, that's incredible. I mean, especially since she had such a bad experience and then literally through that, like the one thing that she had that bad experience to have that good experience, you know, it's truly how God works. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. And I guess just, just to kind of wrap all this up um, with a nice little bow, do you have any advice for those who are looking to convert are converting or recent converts? Oh man, I I have a lot of advice for that. Um, But you know, we were leaving from that trip to head back, back home. And I'd never been a guy that was like, oh, I should write a book or do anything like that. I never set out to have a ministry. I never set out to like speak or have a YouTube channel. I did, did not want anything to do with that. That was part of what I gave up to go into the ministry or to, to leave the ministry to go into the Catholic church. So I was like, I'm not doing any of that. Well, on the way home from, from Croatia, we were on the bus and it was like a lightning bolt hit me. When we were praying and like literally out of nowhere, the title of the book came to me, the convert's guide to Catholicism, your first year in the church. And I'm like, I need to write a book for people who are making this transition because I looked at it through some pretty interesting eyes, having been in Protestant ministry for so long. What's it like to make that transition? We had people that joined our church from the Catholics all the time, people that left the Catholic faith to become Protestant all the time, but I'd never seen anybody And then their transition was like, oh, this is so great, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that, you know. But what's it like to become Catholic? That's a whole different, that's a whole different experience. And oftentimes people go through RCIA, they figure all this stuff out. They're like, well, well, okay, here I am. What do I do? Mm -hmm. And my my advice is, I mean, there's a lot of things, but my advice is this: go slowly with a lot of things that you're trying to do. Sip it. Don't, don't gulp it you know what i mean if that makes sense well, i gulped it when i revert when i reverted back into my faith and i burnt out yeah so fast it can happen so fast you can get so overwhelmed by all the stuff that you have to do by all the things that everyone says oh did you know about this novena did you know about this fast did you know about this apparition did you know about this scapular did you know about i mean and you're just like and, and that happened to me certainly and I think sometimes a lot of people, like you said, you can get so overwhelmed that you're just like, okay, I put the brakes on. I don't know. So what I tell people, you know, and that's really what my book is all about. It's about what you should do in your first year. And I encourage people to go slowly. So I'm like, look, figure out what you're going to be excited about right now, like in terms of a devotion and work on that for a year, you know, Um, don't try to convert the entire world by yourself in the first 10 minutes of your conversion. 
you know, I mean, there's a lot of things I talk about in there from how to find a church to how to understand the mass. Like, I guess my biggest thing would be this, and this would be my advice. Learn what the Catholic church teaches about everything that you can. So when you run into something and you don't understand it, find out an answer, you know, read the catechism, understand what is being, what is going on. Learn the mass, learn why we do that. Learn the why behind mm -hmm. the what that's only going to help you as you step in, because a lot of these things are so beneficial, but if you don't know what they're for, even though you're doing them, you're not getting the full benefit of that. So mm -hmm. like, for example, um, praying the rosary for me has been a huge thing, but if it's just some robotic thing that you do because someone says you should, that's not going to help you. But if you, if you engage in it fully in your heart and you understand what's going on and you meditate truly on these mysteries and you, you get the intercession of our blessed mother, it'll change your life. So learn about everything that you're trying to do. And if something doesn't make sense, don't be afraid to go. I don't understand what that is. That little that little thing that we did at the beginning of the mass where you did this, I don't, I don't understand what that's all about. Why, why do we do that? You know, what, is, what do those symbols mean? Like ask a lot of questions, go slowly. And one other thing I would say is this, if you don't already have it, you need to develop some really close relationships with people who are a little further in their faith than you are. So you can have some encouragement. So you can have someone that you can um, look to when you have questions or when things get difficult. Don't try to do it on your own. Yeah, I know when I first came back, I was doing nine novenas at oh once. Yeah, that was, that was a lot. Um, and then I also kind of, my whole of religious hippie stuff kind of just took off right away. And so I was still learning quite a bit myself. And I had other people asking me questions, like deep theological questions. And I was like, well, I guess I have to know what this is then. And so it actually kind of pushed me uh, to learn in a healthier manner than just like bombarding my brain with like everything Catholic. I would still watch Catholic videos, but they were more directed towards something. Somebody would ask me a question and I'm like, if I didn't know the answer to it, I'd be like, well, I'm going to go research it. And then I'd research that for like a couple days or a few hours, depending on how crazy it was. And I would get back to them. I'm like, well, this is what I found. This is what the church teaches about this. And these are all the resources that I have for you. And through that, I was able to learn a lot about Catholicism. And so through being kind of just thrown into the pool of social media, I actually was able to learn a lot about Catholicism from my followers, which I find is a blessing. So that's, it's really cool how it's so, it's so different, but I completely agree. If I would have gone slower, I feel like I would have had more appreciate appreciation for the things I was learning instead of just trying to learn everything at once. That's, that's so important, you know, but a lot of times we do that with everything in life. Don't we, when we get excited about something, we want to learn everything there is to know about it. And that's a good thing, but just don't let yourself feel badly for what you don't know. Right. And the other thing I would say is this, and this is super important for, for Catholics focus on the saints, not the sinners, mm -hmm. because there are always going to be people around you, especially if you're a convert, you come into the Catholic church and you think, Oh, wow, dude, you're Catholic. You must be so awesomely holy because you're Catholic, right? I've been trying to get there for 10 years. Now I'm finally there. All right. High five. And he's like, what? <laughs> you know, there's so many people out there that just don't get it. They're lukewarm. They're, I just call them medium, you know? Mm -hmm. And that can be very discouraging because you think you're coming into the Catholic church and it's like going to be this, this giant 
party of, of holiness and everyone's like together. And then you realize that, you know, wow, that guy's Catholic. And I don't even know if he really believes in Jesus and you can get discouraged or you, or you'll find like a bad priest will be mean to you, or you'll hear of someone who did something scandalous or whatever, and you can begin to get discouraged. Try not to. And, and unfortunately, especially in our day and age of social media, a lot of the negative things is what gets put right in front of your face all the time. And there are plenty of voices that know that and will use that as a way to get you to pay attention to them. So they're always like, oh, but did you know this? Did you yeah. know that? And, and that's really hard to avoid. But focus on people who are doing it right and who are inspirational to you in the faith. That will mean the world to you rather than like the guys and girls who don't care or you know, the grouchy lady who frowns at you when you walk into mass and wave at somebody. I mean, don't pay attention to anybody who's unhelpful. Just find your people and be open to what God wants to show you, but focus on the saints, not the sinners. Absolutely. I love that saying, focus on the saints, not the sinners. And also learning about the saints really helped me come back. So I think focusing on those is, is just, just beneficial because it, it makes us realize that it's like, we should be striving after the saints, you know, and, and how they acted. And we shouldn't be focusing on, on the negativity that's going on in the church. Cause there's going to be negativity anywhere you go. There, there was negativity in the apostles. Yeah. You know, if, if negativity and failure and human weakness meant that the truth wasn't there, then nobody's got that. Not even Jesus. Okay. Because he had, he had, that, that was part of who the apostles were. Okay. Focus on Christ, focus on Jesus and, and those people and things that help you move in your, in your faith. I mean, th that's one of the things as a Catholic, there's a lot of, of tools and treasures that are put out there for you, but you're gonna have to work for a lot of them. One of the things about being Catholic that's different from being a Protestant is you don't get spoon fed things like you used to, you, you know, you, you have to, you have to work for your faith a lot of times, which is difficult for people sometimes who've walked in, especially if you're visiting like a new church, you're trying to find a church. You know, when you're a Protestant, you go to a new church, a lot of times the red carpet's rolled out for you. There's somebody at the door waiting for you with coffee. They have to be, people are friendly. They, you know, you're always being invited to stuff and this and that. It ain't like that in the Catholic church. A lot of times you, you go in and they're just, they don't even know that you're there and you can, you can walk out going, did anybody really care that I was even here? And I feel and, like that's important though, because it's not about yeah. us. It's, it's not about us, but at the same time, what we have to recognize is the difference between a, a worship experience that's designed to attract unbelievers mm -hmm. versus the mass, which is 100% focused and pointed at God. Okay. Right. Those are two different things. I used to tell people, look, the mass isn't trying to do what your um, worship service is trying to do. You know, well, I didn't learn anything from that sermon. Okay, well, the, like you're used to having a Bible study for an hour as your sermon, whereas we're ready to have Jesus Christ, you know, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. That's the highlight of our, of our mass. It's not about hearing a motivational talk or whatever. Now, that's not to say we don't want good homilies. We don't want people to be friendly. We, don't, we, we want all those things. A lot of those things we need to do better at, I think. But in Catholicism, you have to really remember Everything is pointing toward God, not you. Right. And, and that's a hard pill to swallow for new people sometimes, but you just have to 
you have to realize that. Well, and I think it's, it's hard, especially in a world that tells you do what makes you happy, exactly. do whatever you want. And so it completely goes against that. And so it's unnatural almost for people to come into the faith and be like, oh, it's not about me. Um, and I even see that in some younger Catholics, older Catholics too. I mean, either way, it's, it kind of spreads everywhere when the society, you know, tries to embed it in everything, but it's just interesting how it goes completely against society. And that's actually a reason I love it so much. Well, okay. So you just said something that's huge there to me is, 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 and I would love to talk with you more about this sometime when we've taken, and this, this is part of what helped me to become Catholic is the, the mindset that our job as people in ministry and Christians is to take the message of Jesus Christ and try to find a way to make that attractive and cool to people who don't believe in, in God. You, that's, that's kind of a bad setup. Okay. Versus taking the faith that is otherworldly, that transcends our preferences, our cultural fads, our um, desires as people the, the, the Catholic faith transcends all of that. Mm-hmm. It goes beyond that. It doesn't appeal to that in order to show us the truth, which is why it's so amazing. That's why you can have an 85-year-old uh, person and a 15-year-old person linking arms together and praying and worshiping God together and receiving the same graces there because it's not about like, oh, well, that guy likes uh, football, so he can only go to church with people who like football. That guy, you know, the hipsters go to this church. The country people go to this church. The heavy metal people go to this church. You know, a lot of times in our Protestant worship experiences, we're always being segmented according to the things of the world. You know, here's the young adult Bible study. Here's the newly married Bible study. Here's the old guy Bible study, the old girl Bible study. You know, I, I want to go to a Bible study with all kinds of people. I want to learn you know, the scriptures talk about people who are farther along mentoring younger people. I mean, we lose that when we're so focused on us, but when everybody together collectively points at God, you know, looks to God and says, look, this is what, you know, this is where we're going. This is what it's all about. We're here to offer our sacrifice. We're here to offer our worship to God. That's powerful. It's funny because that's one of the things that helped my wife was, was we were having mass and we had, a, we had a rough day at mass. Kids were screaming. We couldn't hear. We were trying to learn what was going on, but it was just, it was the, the, the cantor who was singing was off key. It was just, I mean, it was a, if, if I would have been in Protestant ministry and had that, people would have been fired. I mean, it was bad. Anyway, we're driving home and I'm thinking, oh Lord, you know, I just want her to have such a good experience. And, and this is what we have to endure sometimes. And she said, you know what, as rough as that was, she goes, I feel like that was really interesting because can you imagine like the Israelites in the desert getting ready to worship God in the tabernacle or in, in, in the synagogues or in the, even in the temple standing around worrying about, well, I couldn't hear everything that was going on or, you know, all of those self-focused things. No, when you were worshiping the living God, the last thing you were thinking about was who was standing next to you or whether something wasn't comfortable for you. And I'm like, she's starting to get this. It was, it, God has a way of breaking through even those things. And what you said about that's why you love it so much is because it's not trying to be cool. I mean, let's face it. Okay. You're like in your early twenties. I'm in my, you know, sort of mid to late forties. Okay. If, if I tried to, in our conversations, if I tried to like relate to you and, you know, dress like I was 22 and talk like that, you'd probably be like, what in the world is this guy doing? 
Except some know? people try to do that and they're like, sup dog. And I'm like, well, you know, no. that's exactly what I'm talking about. Right. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't you work. We, we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. When, when we, when we try to take the truth of the gospel and make it cool and hip and relevant and whatever, we, we end up robbing people of the transcendent because what can I, and I was a youth pastor. This is what I did all the time. What we need to show people is how God is greater than all of those things. How the truth isn't dependent on our mood, our preferences, or how we feel about anything. Oh, I just don't feel like worshiping today. Well, who cares how you feel? Worship isn't about how you feel. It's about the living God, right? right? I don't feel like praying the rosary today. Well, Jesus didn't feel like dying on the cross either. Yep. And I'm not talking about trying to guilt people into things. I'm just saying the thing, one of the things I love about the mass and the Catholic faith is that it's not trying to push those buttons in us. It's trying to reveal the greater reality of truth to us, which is way cooler than that anyway. And I love seeing young people like you who get that. Like that's incredibly inspiring to me because I don't think we give you guys enough credit, you know, oftentimes with, Oh, we have to do this. We have to, no, we just have to be real and authentically present Christ to people and he does the work. It's, it's awesome. Exactly. No, exactly. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. And if my followers want to find you, where can they find you? Well, okay. So the ministry that I am in charge of is called down to earth and our website is down to earth ministry.org. And the two is the number two. So down the number two earth ministry.org. The best place to find me there is through there, or I'm pretty active on YouTube. I do a daily um, rosary live stream at 5 PM central. And I've uh, been doing that since March 18th, 2020. Um, I do a weekly Bible study called Unpacking the Mass, where we walk through the, the readings for the upcoming week. So I just do like a, a like share some reflections, meditation on them. So that way, when you go to Mass, you've already read them and, and have thought about them. I, I make videos on YouTube a lot. I have a podcast called Catholic Feedback. Um, so YouTube. Instagram, Keith Nestor Catholic is, is where I'm at, um, but mostly my website and, and YouTube, I guess, would be the best way. And then, of course, my book you can find on my website and Amazon. Um, it's called The Convert's Guide to Roman Catholicism, Your First Year in the Church. Perfect. Okay, well, thank you so much for sharing your story, and hopefully it helps anybody out there who's looking to convert, is converting, or is a recent convert. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Amber. It's great talking with you. Absolutely. And with all of that being said, I will talk to you guys in the next podcast. Bye. Do you have questions or comments about today's episode? Email me at thereligioushippie at gmail.com or leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash thereligioushippie. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure to visit the official website for the International Association of Metatomics at metatomics.org or find us on social media for other unique content.